The Voices of Search podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything podcast network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. Bridge Toll, California, customer service number. Highway miles to the gallon, Ford Focus. Thailand Cave Rescue Operation. What is Schema F? Best wine bars in San Carlos, California. Best Western hotels. How old is Ronaldo? What happened with Big Brother? What's a good engagement? How long before give? a wedding should I send out many save the dates? The first Use IMAP to check email on other email clients. Identify fonts from where to find where Welcome to Global SEO Week on the Voices of Search podcast. I'm your host, Benjamin Shapiro, and this week we're talking to five superstar SEOs about their strategy for planning, launching, and optimizing global properties for organic growth. Joining us today is Aleda Solis, who is the founder of the international SEO consulting firm Orianti, which is an experienced and world-renowned international mobile and technical search marketing practice that helps their clients establish and optimize their mobile and international websites through audits, strategy, project management, and in-house training. And today, Aleda is going to talk to us about her playbook for international expansion and what it means to be an international SEO superstar, com slash diagnostic. And this podcast is also sponsored by Ahrefs. What if I told you that you could monitor your website's SEO health, backlinks, and organic rankings at no costs? Sounds too good to be true? Well, it's not. Because my friends at Ahrefs just launched Ahrefs Webmaster Tools. Ahrefs' new Webmaster Tools product quickly helps you improve your site's visibility by pointing solutions to over 100 technical issues that might be holding your search performance down. Plus, AWT monitors for backlinks so you'll know the most linked to pages and how those links are affecting your rankings. And AWT shares what keywords your website ranks for and compares how you stack up against competitors for key metrics like search volume, keyword difficulty, and traffic value. Look, monitoring your website used to require multiple expensive tools. And now, thanks to Ahrefs, that's not the case anymore because AWT will help you monitor your SEO health, backlinks, and keywords for free. And no, it's not one of those 14-day free trial offers. It's a powerful site audit tool that will keep working for you for free. So check out Ahrefs Webmaster Tools at ahrefs.com slash A-W-T. That's A-H-R-E-F-S dot com slash A-W-T. Okay, here's my conversation with founder of Orianti, Aleda Solis. Aleda, welcome to the Voices of Search podcast. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. I'm very happy to be here. It's an honor to have you here. You're one of the, the highest profile and most recognized and most respected international SEOs. And I want to go on the record as saying Jordan was absolutely adamant that if we were going to do a global SEO superstar week, that you had to be at the top of our list. So I'm glad we were able to connect and thank you for coming on the show. Well, thank you. I'm very happy to hear that for sure. And very, very nice to hear that Jordan thinks so highly of me, of course. He does. I do. (laughs) And uh, let's talk a little bit about your background first. Uh, You know, I want to start the conversation off by understanding a little bit about how you got into international SEO and how you feel that it is different working in Europe than it is for, you know, us here in the United States and, and you know, other places in the world. How did you get into international SEO and what is it like uh, being an SEO where you live? Yes. 
funnily enough, it was something very natural for me because I started to work uh, in SEO back in 2007 in this agency that was located at a very small town in Spain, in Salamanca, which is a student's town. But funnily enough, is uh, it was one of those towns that had a few, many, uh, many online marketing agencies at some point because they were born by the fact that there were so many Spanish schools at this university city trying to attract international students to learn Spanish at that place, right? So they started to do a lot of SEO, to build their websites, to be highly optimized. And the owner of the agency where I was working at, he was a huge believer in in the power of, of SEO because he had built his business, the Spanish learning business from scratch, thanks to it. So at the end, he established a, uh, an agency and he ended up hiring a lot of local people, right? A lot of local students. And at some point I went to Salamanca to study uh, an e-commerce master and I started to look for a job. And shockingly enough, I found that they were looking for, at the beginning, it was like a content manager for a network of websites that they had. It was uh, websites to how to learn Spanish, right? At some point. And then after a while, they were looking for an SEO to take charge a little bit of the SEO process of of their clients, right? And then I did the switch because I was already learning about it. I was already loving it. So when they say, oh, who wants to become the next SEO in the team? So I say, I would love to. And the thing is, most of the clients that the agency had were clients from from all over, were clients that were not even in Spain, were in the UK, were in Germany, a lot in the travel and education sector. So I actually was pushed to do SEO, not for the Spanish market necessarily, but for the UK market, the German market, the, the French market. So it was pretty natural. It was the way of how I learned to do SEO at the end of the day. Interesting. So it sounds like, you know, the environment that you lived in was a contributing factor. You were in an area where there was lots of colleges, lots of students, which meant lots of recruiting for people that were looking to do technology-driven businesses, right? Taking advantage of the early career entrance. Uh, actually, your story is somewhat similar to Jordan Cooney's, a little bit on the, maybe a direct opposite in a way, where Jordan started off running a bookstore to sell Spanish books. Interesting. And he started doing translation from Spanish to English. And sounds like you were doing translation from uh, English to, uh, to Spanish or other languages to Spanish as part of your work. Talk to me a little bit about, you know, you mentioned that because you were in Spain, lots of companies were coming to your agency to try to translate their content into Spanish. How do you think that's influenced how you think about SEO, you know, starting off with a background focusing on internationalization, not necessarily just thinking about it from a single language perspective? I think that it helped me to realize that people could search in a variety of ways, right? That the preferences will likely change from country to country, that the preferences, the seasonality will be different, that the top products that a company may have in and uh, in Germany, it might not necessarily be the top products in Spain or in France, right? That the products might be different, that there are so many different ways to search for something too. So it really gave me a wider view, I have to say, of how SEO could work and how you could also achieve the results that you were looking in so many different ways, right? Because these were also clients that were not necessarily only 
focus on targeting the Spain market, but a variety of countries, right, at the end. Yeah, so you have some perspective about all the different aspects that go into making search special in a given market, right? Whether that be some of the language differences, some of the cultural differences. You've made quite a name for yourself as a world-renowned SEO. I believe I saw on your LinkedIn profile that you won the SEO of the year for the European market, and, and you've won a fair amount of awards. How have you been able to establish your brand as an international SEO in Europe? And, and how do you feel that being in Europe is different than being an SEO in other markets? Well, I think that it's funny because I never intended, right, to to establish like a personal brand or so, right? But it was very natural again, because at some point I was, I started to blog and it was something that I enjoyed to do a lot. And then after writing, right, at some point I got invited to speak First in Spanish, then in English. I still remember the first time that I spoke internationally. It was in 2012 at SMX London, right? So it, it was a very natural part of, of being an SEO, of sharing, of the sharing type of experience, right? Giving back to the community. This is something that I learned from very early on, right? And this is how I was also able to learn a lot about SEO, like my following key people in Twitter, right? Or, or, or interacting in some forums and exchanging knowledge, right? With the community. So this was my way to give back. Also blogging about my own experiences that might be or not necessarily be <laughs> advanced at that point in any case when I started, right? But sharing about them. And then at, at some point I started to also speak about them too. So it was a very natural thing. So I think that giving back to the community had also the consequence, right? To establish my own personal brand thanks to it. And it was like, yeah, a nice consequence of, of it, I have to say. So how do you feel that being an SEO in Spain and in a broader context in Europe is different than being an SEO in the United States? What are the advantages and disadvantages? Uh, yeah, I think that in fact, one of the advantages of being in Europe is that people here uh, when they think of SEO, I think that they are much more open on, and for them, it's much more natural, the international SEO type of setting, right? In the US, because the market is so huge, you don't need to, in a, if you are not a big brand, right? If you are not a huge corp, it is not natural to target many countries at the same time or to think of how audiences in another country search or target them necessarily as a priority, right? In Europe, that is something much more natural to do, right? Many companies that are established in the UK at least have a couple of other markets in Europe that where they are also trying to enter, right? Even if these are not their top markets. And many companies here are spread all over Europe. So, and many conferences too, I have to say, the community, even if there are, of course, there are local communities in the UK and in Spain and in Italy, in France and so on. At some point, it's very funny because there are, a couple of events in Europe where you can run into each other and get to know each other much more easily because of, of this overall European layer and some events like Brighton SEO, for example, that gather people from all over Europe. And it's like when you go to a big conference in, in the US, right? But it's in Europe. So yeah, there's this additional layer of, of community and people from all over in the same territory, right? I think that's a very important point is that you know, being in Europe, internationalization is going to be much more important, not only because of the geography, 
but because the territories are smaller, right? You're not covering, you know, it's not China. There are billions of people or or more than a billion people Mm -hmm. in one country. There's lots of sort of fragmentation in terms of the population size across multiple different countries and also lots of languages being used in a small, small place. And even within country, when you get somewhere like Switzerland, you know, there are three languages that you need to be able to translate to have an effective website. Let's turn the page and talk a little bit more about the strategy of internationalization. Mm-hmm. When you are working with a client that is looking to or considering expanding to different markets, what are some of the things that you do to decide what markets to go to? Yeah. And, you know, what's the right strategy to, uh, to approach? That, I love your question because actually that should be the starting point, ideally, right? The bad part is that in many, many cases, your client or the decision maker or your boss comes and says, oh, we are going to launch into these markets because of all of this criteria, right? And, and unfortunately, one of those criteria or the inputs that have, have been taken into consideration uh, haven't included SEO, right? Haven't included necessarily the search potential in that market in some cases, right? And I will say that that is something critical, if possible, to verify, to validate which are the top markets, which are the top languages that are bringing you at the moment traffic and rankings, even if you are not on purpose targeting them, but for which you already see a good, relatively good share of activity from and conversions from, and some even some rankings already that you may want to prioritize to validate if there will be a good potential by targeting them, right? So that is the next step, not only to identify from where you are already more or less established and, and bring in traffic from and rankings from, but also which are those markets that will generate you much more potential search potential that will generate enough search volume, that search demand to make it profitable. Because in many occasions, opportunately, again, the decision is like, let's launch also across all of these 120 countries. And half of those countries, that they will never generate enough traffic to compensate all the work that is connected to the website's versions for them. So the first thing that you're doing is a research phase where you're talking about understanding the search opportunity. And, you know, that's doing your keyword research and it's understanding what your competition looks like. There's also some technical components of deciding what you're going to do before you expand. You know, do you decide to launch a a new top-level domain? Mm -hmm. Are you creating a subdomain? Talk to me about your thoughts on, you know, should you be creating a separate website or should you be modifying or adding a, a subdomain to your existing site? It depends. It depends as, as with always, always like in any situation, right? But it's important to validate if there are, if there are certain factors there. So for example, the ideal way to geolocate if you are targeting to a new country, you are targeting countries, it will be with CCTLDs, right? That is the ideal configuration. However, not necessarily all the time, that will be the best way to go for you necessarily. It will be important to validate, verify the level of competition in those markets, in those countries. And if you identify that the top ranking websites are properties, are domains that have millions of links that you won't have because you will need to start with a new CCTLD that had zero link popularity, then it might not be wise to start with a CCTLD, but start with a subdirectory that you can geolocate towards the, the relevant country through the Google Search Console geolocation feature. And then you will be able like this to leverage your current link popularity of your current well-established GTLD, right? The problem is that previous domain, your well-established domain that you have had 
until that point. It's not a .com, it's not a .net or a GTLD for which you can enable a subdirectory that you can geolocate through the Google Search Console. But if you, maybe there are some UK, Spain companies or France companies that start with a FR or .co.uk or .es, and that's a handicap, right? Because they are pushed whether to create a new .com or to even enable another CCTLD. So that that's also a good part of, and, a, and a, uh, I will say an advantage that many US companies have and they don't even realize, right? Because they usually work with a GTLD. Time for a one minute break to hear from our sponsor, Previsible. So you're looking for SEO help and you got a couple of options. You could start replying to spam from agencies that claim they can get you to rank number one on Google. You can pay an hourly rate for a consultant who will inevitably nickel and dime you with hourly charges. Or you can work with a cookie cutter agency to quickly launch a strategy-less project with low success rate. None of those sound very good, now do they? Well, that's where Previsible's integrated consulting model comes in. Previsible draws from a collective 40 years of SEO and digital marketing experience to unlock your organic growth opportunities. They build custom solutions that combine strategy, technical expertise, content, and reporting to effectively operationalize SEO for your business. Previsible's four-stage approach ensures that your SEO programs thrive by starting off with a strategy-first approach. Then they support you in your efforts to create quality content, help you identify technical issues, and most importantly, they'll work with your cross-functional teams to integrate your SEO strategies to make sure that your SEO budget actually drives results, not just your agency's bottom line. So join brands like Yelp, eBay, Canva, Atlassian, Square, all who rely on the SEO consultants at Previsible. For more information, go to previsible.io. That's previsible, P-R-E-V-I-S-I-B-L-E dot I-O. I was just about to say that is, you know, the default here in the United States is you're either using a dot com mm-hmm. or you're using dot I-O or some sort of global TLD. And that's not necessarily yeah. the case with, you know, when you're starting a company in a, uh, you know, mostly a European market or something that has a a geographic, a country-specific top-level domain. Um, It sounds like if there is an opportunity to use a geographic-specific TLDR, then that's the best-performing option, but you're also risking the amount of, you know, link juice that you can pass on from your existing domain when you're starting a new site. Yes, I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely the best to send geolocation type of signals and not necessarily only for Google, for the search engine, but also from a user perspective. They will know that you are definitely targeting them, right? That this is the version for that. And you can, of course, also find alternate ways by geolocating your your subdirectory with the pros of leveraging your previous link popularity indeed. So at the end of the day, I think this should be about an analysis of local competition in those targeted countries. Take a look at not only the link profile of, of the players that are already well established for those top terms or queries that you want to rank for in these countries, but also to take a look at what are, what are the extensions that they are using, right? If you see that there are GTLDs ranking there with subdirectories that are geolocalized towards those countries or even subdomains, and then and not only CCTLDs and, and no problem about it. You can definitely reuse your your subdirectory and especially if you see that it is a very competitive market. Talk to me about the 
implementation process, when you understand whether you're going to use a subdirectory or a new top-level domain, TLD, um, and you're going through the process of internationalizing or localizing your content, what's the playbook there? What's the order of operations? The beginning should be always keyword research. You should understand how the specific audience of each market searches. And for that, it's also important to have a native speaker of that market to develop that research with SEO validation. So ideally, this should be, for example, an SEO who's also from that particular market, right? So a native speaker from from the UK, from France, from Spain. For example, if you are targeting Spain, ideally, this should be someone, a Spanish person, right? It shouldn't be someone from Mexico or from Chile because the Spanish is different between the countries, right? And it's also important that this person understand and validates that that is actually the the right way to speak about certain topics, some terms, and confirms this type of, of language usage. So when you're internationalizing or localizing large sites... Right. You can go and find somebody that is a, a native speaker, but you, when you have mass amounts of content, right, there isn't going to be one person that's going to translate each individual page. Mm. So when you're doing this at scale, or let's say you're you know, internationalizing to multiple sites, right, you're going to 30 new countries, you're not going to bring on 30 different people to localize individual sites. What's the process when you're doing localization or internationalization for large sites across multiple countries? Well, this is the thing. This is why it is really important that you target the markets that are actually profitable for you. Because if you are targeting 30 countries at the same time, it's because I expect that, well, you have already validated that these 30 countries can bring you enough traffic that will make your operations profitable, right? That is the first thing. So the typical challenge of, oh, I don't have enough resources to create new content or to create localized content or optimized content for that version, my answer is like, so why you are targeting that market? <laughs> if it is not worth it for you, if that market cannot compensate to create new content, right? So there, there's a bad fit there, probably. I think there's a something to consider where a company could be expanding into a new market with the understanding that they're going to grow a business over time Mm. and that they don't necessarily want to put a big investment into capital, but they want to establish a presence. For sure. And so that's where, you know, I guess the question is, you know, is is it easier to bring people in-house to do the internationalization? Should you hire agencies and consultants? What's the process there? So that is why it is important to do this strategically. You will start with those markets where you see that there's actual potential. And even like that, I understand that there are resources restrictions and realistically you cannot localize every single URL of your former website because you might have 30 million URL, right? And that is not just logical. So that is why it's uh, very important that you do um, an actual research to identify which are those real pages that have potential to rank and attract traffic from that market. Probably they it won't be the 30 million URLs that you probably have, many of them with UGC, right? Maybe it's, you just need to start with 100 of them or, or a thousand of them. And then you can much more easily prioritize to translate or, or localize this thousand or, or 100 pages. Of course, if you are not a huge company, I don't expect that you have a native speaker hire full-time for all of them that you rely on translations agencies and or localization agencies and then just double check with an SEO 
who can also speak the language too, or uh, this is what is important that don't just hire a translator and, and, and localization agency that doesn't have SEO input and also validation. Because again, you can translate the terms to another language and, and choose the grammatically correct way to, to say it, but not necessarily the way that people search with, right? Mm-hmm. So for example, and it's very funny, but in Spanish, we also say in building, right? We don't translate the term in Spanish. And the proper translation will be creación de enlaces, but nobody search for it. Nobody use it to search, right? And or to, or to call it like that. So it is important that if you are offering services in Spain or in any Spanish speaking country, actually, that you call it properly and there's a proper validation going on. So yes, I, I don't expect that you will have like an in-house team of marketers, a marketer from all over the world from each uh, country, but that you, of course, have an agency that translates worldwide and have this capacity. And that, of course, that you add a layer of input and the validation to make sure that this really fits and makes sense for your specific context and products and vertical where you are. Talk to me about optimization as you go through expansion and you're working, you know, going beyond just an individual site that is a global site to being one that is localized across multiple countries. Let's use the example of, you know, an e-commerce brand that's launched in 30 countries. How are you evaluating the performance of each country? And how are you thinking about looking at a top level, like a global website or collection of websites without just being buried in work, right? When you're launching 30 different sites, how does it not become 30 times the amount of work to evaluate? Mm-hmm. Yeah, indeed. That, that, that is why it's important to choose wisely. Indeed, you have completely tackle the issue, focus on the issue. That is the that is why it's important to choose wisely. If you really want to go to 30 markets, it's, it's really viable for you to operate, to maintain, to keep, even if you're not working with 30 single domains, right? Uh, uh, that is one of the reasons, like to simplify the tracking, simplify the maintenance, simplify everything, right? So many things. But yes, usually whenever you are, you're working at a global company and you're, you have hundreds of markets, you usually have your top players, like your top meaningful markets, your top five, your top three markets. Even if you have even presence in, I don't know, Tahiti or whatever, because you're a huge brand, right? Really like your efforts and your, your focus will be very likely in five markets or so. Yeah. When Jordan and I worked together on the SEO team at eBay, and I will preface this with, I did not have a lot of SEO experience at the time. And I was really just there to run the meetings. One of the things that we looked at a lot was the various page types, right? And at eBay, you're looking at search listings pages and products pages and product description pages. You know, there are page classifications that are universal across multiple different sites. And that was one way that we're looking at it. We're looking sort of at a global collection of all of our content by page type. And then we were also looking at individual markets and seeing how they were performed. How do you prioritize the difference between looking at the global version of a site? And then when should you look at it on a per country basis? Well, at the end, I think it depends a lot on the on the nature of the business, the business model. And well, what do they want to achieve in general? What's a conversion for them? And and actually, how do they run their businesses across the world, right? And that has to do much more from the business side than from the SEO side. At the end of the day, the SEO will tend to replicate that, especially if it is not an internet first type of company, right? Like one of my top clients right now, they're a huge company. They have offices locally, 
on all of these these markets uh, and they have a proper owner of the project for each market who are there in the in the country right and and the goal for that person is to achieve certain results certain goals from rankings traffic conversion perspective in certain products for which they really want to achieve certain uh, growth per year year over year growth or things like that right and those goals are completely different from another owner of the project and another country in Europe that have another line of products that these are the ones that they really want to push for that market and and yes the the KPIs might be different the goals might be different so yes it can go very complex if you have a proper multinational company like that although if you are working again let's say a classified website or 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 an international website that has many different languages or contributions, but there is a single owner and everything is much more simple, right? Yes, of course, you can try to categorize and segment. So it's much more easy for you to identify the performance of certain areas of, of the site that you expect that perform in a certain way. And, you know, for example, that you get category pages or subcategory pages should be the one bringing in attracting traffic, certain terms, permutations that are transactional enough that are not branded and, and are the ones that will bring the most value, etc. Right. So there are so many, and there's complete flexibility on this based on the complexity of the business at the end. I think that the context is very important. And, you know, where there are some ways where you can look at your entire business globally, mm-hmm. one of the things that you need to consider when you're going through an internationalization process is what resources do you have locally that can make sure not only the tone and the content of your website is going to be appropriate, but also do you have the resources to be able to evaluate that website and optimize it over a long period of time? It is not just a launch and forget it process. It's something yeah. that needs to be consistently managed. This is something that is also super critical. And I believe that a lot of people forget that it's not only, again, even localizing your content at the beginning and that's it. But if you target to that market, you can expect people reaching from that market, expecting to have support in that language and have like ongoing capacity of, of create content or publish a blog, uh, social media activity, etc. Like a proper version of your business targeted towards that, that market indeed. So Alita, any last words of advice for people that are going through an internationalization process for the first time? What do you recommend they do to stay up to date with best practices? What are some of the resources they can follow? I think that a good place to start is always the Google best practices. They have a updated documentation and the webmasters guidelines docs. That is always a, a really good, good place to start because a lot of the questions that I'm asked, honestly, they are even documented there. And then I will say that about international SEO, the best way to keep updated, I will say yes, in any sense with SEO, it will be Twitter, right? There's, there's so many conversations around what is working, what it doesn't. There is also a conference that is completely targeted towards international SEO for web certain that they usually run it before or after SMX. But usually now they also have, they have their own specific conferences happening from time to time. I participated in the one in Barcelona at the end of last year too. So that is also a good place to keep updated, I would say. But, but yes, I will say that in Twitter is great because I get a lot of questions from there and, and other SEOs, international SEOs also tend to be very open to, to answer any, any questions, any doubts or be referred to, to, to resources, right? Okay. Well, Aleta, let me just say thank you again for joining the show. It's an honor to have you here. 
one of the world's most renowned international SEOs. Thanks for joining the Voices of Search podcast. Thank you for the opportunity. Okay, and that wraps up this episode of the Voices of Search podcast. Thank you for listening to my conversation with founder of Orianti, Aleda Solis. We'd love to continue the conversation with you. So if you're interested in contacting Aleda, you can find a link to her LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can contact her on Twitter. Her handle is Aleda, A-L-E-Y-D-A. Or you can visit her company's website at orianti.com, O-R-A-I-N-T-I.com. Or you can also find her YouTube channel, which is called Crawling Mondays. And a special thanks to Previsible for sponsoring this podcast. If you're looking for support with all of your SEO needs, Previsible's integrated consulting model is there for you. They draw on a collective 40 years of SEO and digital marketing experience to help you unlock your organic search and growth opportunities. So join brands like Yelp, eBay, Canva, Atlassian, and Square, all who rely on SEO consultants at Previsible. For more information, go to previsible.io. That's P-R-E-V-I-S-I-B-L-E dot I-O. And a special thanks to Ahrefs for sponsoring this podcast. Monitoring your website used to require multiple expensive tools, but that's not the case anymore thanks to Ahrefs because they just launched their Ahrefs Webmaster Tools product, which monitors your SEO health, helps you keep track of your backlinks, and gives you the insight into what keywords are performing for free. So check out Ahrefs Webmaster Tools at ahrefs.com slash A-W-T. That's Ahrefs, A-H-R-E-F-S dot com slash A-W-T. If you have general marketing questions or if you'd like to talk about this podcast, you can find my contact information in our show notes or you can send me a tweet at Ben J. Schaap, B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P. And if you like this podcast and you want a regular stream of SEO and content marketing insights in your podcast feed, hit the subscribe button in your podcast app. Lastly, if you've enjoyed the show and you're feeling generous, we'd love for you to leave us a review in the Apple iTunes store or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Okay, that's it for this time. But until next time, remember, the answers are always in the data.